Hello. Today, Peter and I are going to talk to you about the light-bellied Brent geese. This is the geese that comes to Ireland to overwinter. It is the goose that comes from northern Canada. It's the most northerly bird in the world as far as breeding goes. Nothing, nothing beyond that. And it comes here, it starts in Stranford Lock, and it moves then all around the coast of Ireland, mostly the east coast of Ireland. And of that, you find it most between, I suppose, around Dorky to Bull Island. They are unusual in that it's a transatlantic migration. Most birds migrate north and south, but they migrate across the Atlantic from the extreme north of Canada to Ireland. Now, on that migration route, they have resting points at Iceland and Greenland, and depending on which direction they're going, they'll stop off on Iceland, then Greenland, or on the way back, they'll stop off in Greenland and then Iceland on their way to break the journey. Why do they winter in Ireland? They winter in Ireland because it is relatively warm, there is growth of grass during the winter, and they feed particularly when they arrive here on a plant which is one of the rare marine flowering plants that grows in the sea which is called zostera or eelgrass and they feed up on arrival they feed up on that which is very nutritious for them until it's all spent and then they start grazing in the grass they arrive here generally sometime around September, and they're gone from here by the end of April. And one of the interesting things is that in the 1930s, the eelgrass was nearly completely depleted because of a disease. And the birds had to find an alternate source of food. Their numbers did deplete to a few hundred, but they began moving inland to areas like parklands and football or rugby pitches. And to this day, that is still what they do. They come in every morning. And because they are here in this biosphere, anyone, you can actually look out your window from their city windows and you can watch these birds every day coming in. They come in, they seem to come in between around 8.30, come and they feed for an hour or two, they come back in the afternoon. So they make their way from the sea to the land, and they return to the sea in the evening. I, when I used to cycle in and out to work, I cycled from Sandy Mount into Bagot Street. Every morning during the winter when I was cycling along, I would hear the geese and see the geese flying over. They flew across the city. So it's quite a lovely thing, really, having these wild geese flying over the city. And even sometimes I've been in the house sitting down, and I can hear the sound of the geese passing over. So there, there's something very special, but the, the, the thing that makes them particularly special is that this particular race, the light-bellied Brent goose, is almost exclusively wintering in Ireland. The great majority of the population winter in Ireland. Some winter in southwest England, and some 
winter in West, Western France. But these are only a minority of the population. The great bulk of them breed in Ireland. So they're, they're very particularly of Irish interest. And there's something really that, that we need to treasure and appreciate. One of the things about them, and I'm going to ask Phil to talk about this, is the disturbance they experience and how that impacts on them. Right, well, because I happen to live overlooking a pitch onto which the geese fly every morning, I'm aware that that there are disturbances. The main disturbance we have here are dogs. Now, I live close to a pitch where it says no dogs. However, dogs come through, no lead, barking, chasing, chasing trains back and forth. And the minute they land and the dog is there, they're off. And if they do land, sometimes within five, ten minutes of their arriving, they suddenly fly off. I run to the window and there's the dog. So somehow we need to educate people that this is such a unique situation of having this bird here that we need to do everything we can to protect those areas. And there is a list of all the fields, and I know they're over there by, they're over there towards the Beacon Hospital. They're here right in Sandy Mount. And these are areas that need to be protected during these months. So the birds, they have, they have, in fact, when they are on the pitch feeding, they feed nonstop. They have to build up their reserves, their energy, ready for the long flight back. And when they get back to northern Canada, they breed. They get, the problem is that if they're disturbed too much, it takes a lot of energy. They get exhausted. They miss out on feeding time. And at this time of year particularly, they're building themselves up for that long migration. Yeah. So really disturbing they should be, we should respect them in terms of not allowing dogs to run. And, you know, even in the Irish Times the other day, there was a picture of two dogs and it said these dogs were off to run on Sandy Mount Strand. Unfortunately, the people who were actually taking that photograph and putting it in the Irish Times didn't realise that dogs running on Sandy Mount Strand cause huge disturbance to the migratory bird species that are feeding there and that needs that environment to build themselves up. Not just the geese, but many, many other species. And Dublin is an extremely important place for wintering for many, many species of birds. And it's one of the reasons why it, it, it is a biosphere reserve internationally recognised. So we need to cherish and protect these. And there are other places where people could run their dogs other than where the birds are actually feeding. Another thing to mention is that these geese around Dublin, because by and large they haven't been shot at or so on, they have become tamer around here than perhaps anywhere else because of the fact that there's that they graze on pitches, they graze on places where people are around about. And you can actually sometimes see them grazing on, on coastal parks and grasslands within a few yards of passing traffic. So there, you can actually get very, get very close to them and see them very closely. But they have a very characteristic call, and this very often, this is what will alert you to the fact that they're flying over. You'll hear their gaggling call. One of the things about these geese 
is that they are quite localized in terms of their wintering grounds and also in terms of their breeding grounds. And therefore, that makes them in particular ways vulnerable. For instance, in the 1930s, when the eelgrass was affected by a disease, a major source of food for these birds disappeared and the population collapsed down to only a few hundred. And that meant that of this particular race of geese, there were only a few hundred birds left. And it was only after the 50s, when the eelgrass recovered, that these birds were able to recover themselves. And the population during the 70s came back up to 24,000. But it does illustrate how potentially vulnerable there are. I mean, when there's only a few hundred birds, the bird is really on the edge of extinction. So fortunately, two things happened. Firstly, they adapted to being able to graze, to depend more on grazing grass so that they weren't as critically dependent on zostra. So they adapted in that way. And in addition to that, the zostra recovered, providing a a, a highly nutritious food for them at the time of year when they arrived. Now, this is one of the reasons why we have to look after this. This is a national treasure. This is a bird species, which is in a way very particularly a Canadian-Irish joint venture, if you could call it that. So we and the Canadians need to cherish and look after this bird species. And that is what Irish ornithologists have been doing. And Phil is going to talk a little bit about the work that's been done on studying these in Ireland and in Canada. Well, I think one of the really interesting things that has happened, when the birds recovered in the 70s, um, a young a young fellow, Michal O'Brien, who was from Cloche... Cloche de Muera in Cloche. Dublin. He did a project for the Young Scientists of the Year, and his project that he did in 1977 was an integrated study of the scientific conservation of Rogerstown Estuary, County Dublin. And what he did was, he did a study on the Irish Brent Geese exped- expeditions to the Arctic. He started in Rogerstown, he, he actually won the Young Scientist of the Year. He's taken part in Brent Geese expeditions to the Arctic, and he is now an environmental directorate in the European Union. Uh, however, in doing these studies, they have now continued to learn more and more about this particular geese. They now are fitting the geese with leg tags. They're also fitting them with radio transmitters so that now when they're traveling, they can actually track their route, track where they're going, where they're stopping. And now when they come, I go out in the morning and I often look and I can see groups of geese, maybe their right leg, they all have a yellow tag, left leg a blue tag, and you might find seven together, all together. You don't only see them one day, I go in and I can look on a number of days and see the same group of birds, the same group. So the more they are studying these geese now and with the more opportunities to to tag them and to fit the transmitters, they're able to find out more and more about where they're coming from, how long they stay, what kind of family groups they come in. And family groups, they often fly in the morning in groups of five, maybe 12, maybe groups of 100, 200. But they're learning so much more about this geese because of the studies that are being done. And anyone, they're always looking for ordinary people to find. And because we can see them from our windows, 
if you have binoculars and, and you can get numbers on the legs, all that information you find can be sent to the Irish French geese group because there is something that every one of us can do. You, you, we don't even have to be scientists to do this. One of the things here and that one of the things we would like to encourage is what you might call citizen science. It's citizens, ordinary people, learning about the wildlife and nature around them and actually observing. And there are various groups, the Irish Wild Bird Conservancy, specific groups in relation to this goose and so on, where you can feed in information and they're very interested to get information about where the geese are, where they're feeding and so on. One of the things that, that, that just to mention about these particular geese is that their breeding success, some years they have virtually minimum breeding success. Very, very few young geese are produced because if the, wind, if the summer is very cold, they don't breed and Another thing that happens is sometimes the lemming population fails and a lot of the animals and birds, the, 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 the arctic foxes, the owls, the birds of prey that depend on lemmings end up turning to the young geese as a food source and therefore the population, the young geese, the young goslings can be devastated. Of course the adult birds are quite well able to defend themselves and they will fly off even though they will try to protect their young as best they can but against an arctic fox or a snowy owl a, 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 a parent goose doesn't really have much chance protecting the young but the thing about these geese is they are long-lived and therefore the fact that one breeding year might be unsuccessful or two or three even once they have a successful breeding year, regularly enough, the population will keep up. The, 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 the decline, really, in, in the population can be a result either of a shortage of food or an excess of predation or various unfavourable conditions. So they're, they're really, you know, these, these birds are migrating vast distances and they... they are subject to various environmental pressures and it is a very pleasant thing really to think that Dublin offers them a secure refuge when they come here for the winter. They're not shot at, they have sports grounds and parks and so on where they can graze in relative safety and as I say the, the only concern really is that sometimes people I don't think realise that when dogs run at these birds they can cause them exhaustion and can in fact make it difficult for them to, to, to feed particularly in the period where they're building up for their migration back to Canada. And what I notice and my knowledge of Brent geese is not is, is really only from observation and what I notice is that when they arrive in the morning on the pitch and right now it's earlier every morning so it could be related to sunrise because it was in the around 9.30, now they're arriving by 8 o'clock. And as soon as they arrive on the pitch, they start feeding and it's non-stop feeding. Every now and again, they might just sit and feed and maybe it was a bad night, maybe it was windy. But they eat non-stop until they lift off and they mainly lift off 
It could be between an hour and an hour and a half, unless there's a dog, and then they might lift off within five minutes. As I say, they come in in small groups, family groups. They come in in well, as many as 593 one day. I, they move around in the same direction, so I was fortunately able to count them. And the interesting thing now is that many of them have tags on their legs. The tags could be yellow and blue. They could be red and red. They could be red and yellow, white and white. And every tag on their leg gives information about where they were tagged. I notice they have letters and numbers. I find it hard to read them, though, from my window. I'd need to be right on the, the pitch to get the numbers and the letters. Mm. But if anyone out there is observing and has binoculars and sees numbers, take them down, take the colour of the leg tags, and you can get back on to the Irish Brent Goose Research Group, and they're delighted to have any information. And that's one of the um, very fortunate things about us having the geese right in the city, is that anyone can do this. Anyone can get information about these birds without having to get into your car and going for a long drive. For many of us, they're right outside our window. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating to watch them. One of the interesting things that you will notice when you see them flying over the city, and it's a thing that is, is characteristic of a lot of these larger birds, that they fly in V formations. And the reason they do this is because the front bird takes, creates a wave in the air and the following birds are able to avail of that to make it easier for them to fly. And on long distance flights, such as migration, the leading bird will change. In other words, the birds are, so to speak, at the front, breaking the air for the other ones, will change because so that so that each bird takes a turn of, of at the front. And, and it's quite interesting to notice that this. And they also call as they fly and that that call is probably to to keep the flock together and particularly if say visibility is poor as they call it gives them a, a kind of a co cohesion and an ability to know where, where each other are you said phil that that these are regarded the brent geese are regarded as the single most important wintering water bird in ireland in numerical terms because of its the, the importance of Ireland for the very survival of the species. Talking about V-formation, I do notice when these geese fly in, they're not in, v, in, they're not in V-formation. They come in in small groups, 5 to 12, or you suddenly see a, a group of 100, 200 flying, but they all come in, surround the pitch, and then land, beautifully all land together on the mm. pitch. Mm. There are two factors that, that in, in my observation, that, that affect the geese. One is the state of the tides, because as you know, when the tide goes out on Sandy Mount Strand, it goes out very, very far, and then it comes in, and we notice that the, the geese will, sometimes little islands will form, and the geese will rest on those islands and so on, and the, then when the tide comes in, there's nowhere really on the sea for them to be and they can't eat any zostra or seaweed or whatever they might be eating on the strand and they fly inland and that's the time they fly inland. So the, the, the changing tides are a factor in when and where they are at any particular time. Yes, Peter, and the interesting thing is this, because you and Mary are often down on the strand, occasionally Mary will send me a text and say, the geese have just lifted 
and I can head to the window and shortly after the geese are coming over and they land on the pitch. So, and I've also checked the tides, the tides. So there is sometimes they're coming in whether or not the tide is in or out. But there, I think there, I think you're right. I think there is an element to the tide. Yes. But once they lift, they, they don't just fly. They lift and they head straight to another food source. They seem, yes, to, they they seem to spend to, their day eating. They need to spend a lot of time eating. One of the interesting things about it is that birds, for instance, that eat worms and, uh, and shellfish and so on, they're very high pro- fat and protein content. Geese are vegetarians. Mm. They eat predominantly plant material and they need to eat more of that to get the energy that they need for their flight and for their migration and so on than the birds that eat animals, that eat the creepy crawlies and the worms, etc., that they are found on the strand. So, so this is why they, they really need to feed undisturbed. And, and, and that, again, is, is, is a kind of a recurring theme in our, in our history of these. But they are certainly a very beautiful and very precious part of our heritage as, as a capital city, to have this population of these wonderful, amazing geese that sort of migrate halfway around the world to come to us. And Peter, are they one of them? Are they one of the most smallest of geese? Uh, the the Brent geese are among the smallest of geese. Mm. All right, they are. So they, 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 if, if, if Ireland has a number of other species of geese that yes. they're going to hear. One of the interesting things, one of the quite funny things in a way, was that the geese were seen in the winter, and then they vanished in the summer, and particularly the what were called the barnacle geese looked a bit like these barnacles that are found, the long-necked barnacles that are found in the things. And people began to speculate that, in fact, they went into the sea and that they became barnacles, and that the barnacles hatched out into geese at some stage. And therefore, the old monks were allowed to eat goose because it was seen as a type of fish that it came from barnacle. So whether this was just stretching the imagination a bit in order to be able to have a bit of goose for, for Lent, that is what happened. That was the story they had, that, that, that geese were really a form of fish because they, nobody ever saw them breeding. They didn't know where they went in the summer and, and they, they came back from the sea.